Hey, today we're going to talk about All the Old Knives, which is coming out on Prime Video on April 8th, 2022. We had the privilege of previewing the movie, and we're going to talk about that today. Hi, this is Dan Silvestri. Tom Pizzotto. I'm Vicky Hodges. Of SpyMovieNavigator.com. Here we go. All right, so let's go ahead and start off with a conversation of what we can say and what we can't say. Yeah. We're putting this out before the movie releases. Mm. Yeah, so we don't want this to be full of spoilers. We're going to avoid spoilers as much as we can. Now, we just recorded a session with the director of the film, Giannis Metz, and the screenwriter of the film, Olin Steinhauer, who is also the author of the book on which this film is based. So, there you go. So, that's already out. Our interview episode is out on them uh, two days ago so and i was able to get the book at barnes and noble just so that you know the book's out too and i got it electronically so you can get that through kindle or nook or whatever it's a great book all the old knives all right so here we go no spoilers here well yeah, as much as we can <laughs> right. yeah. so how do you do an overview of the story without getting into spoilers all right first mm-hmm. of all i think one thing we could look at immediately. This is not a James Bond movie, a Mission Impossible movie. This is not about stunts and action. This is, to me, it was it was more like a Tinker Tailor Soldier spy kind of thriller where it's real espionage stuff going on and not the big stuff. But that being said, the focus on that here is tremendous. And I would say within the first 30 seconds of the movie... We're dragged into it, and, and we're wondering what's going on. So that part I loved. It's like, okay, i got to watch the rest of this now and see what this is all about. Well, and that first 45 seconds just really grabs you. Yeah. it's If you have read the book and are going to be watching the movie, there's, the, there. I mean, I'm, this isn't really spoiling anything. There's a hijacking. It's the first 45 seconds of the movie. How can I yeah. spoil it? And that's later in the book that you really hear about it. Mm-hmm. And they kind of talk about that something happened, but they don't really get into it. But they do in the first 45 seconds. And to me, that was just such a great grab of the viewer's attention. Yeah. What did you yeah, think? It, it, for me, it was a real impactful start. You, you know, you were just drawn into what, what, what's going on. How, how does this fit? Yeah, yeah. I just, I just think it was, it was a great way to start a start a film. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so think about, think about the the genre of spy films, but the, the the section of that, the subsection, the slice of that, is more like the spy who came in from the cold, or like we said, Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. Yeah, and it's not an action movie. It's a spy. Definitely, it's, yeah, it's, it's a spy story. movie. Yeah. It's an espionage yeah. spy movie. Yeah, fantastic. I mean, if you, th- if you think about what, like, some of our favorite, uh, you know, when you ask me, Dan, what my, one of my favorite Bonds is, I'm always going back to From Russia With Love. Yeah. Which isn't a big action movie. It's right. a spy movie. Yeah. And this is not an action movie. So yeah. that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's, it's throughout the film, you're piecing together the facts, like, you're following, you're trying to piece together the facts as they are piecing together the facts, yes. mm-hmm. uh, you know, it, it's very much a conversational film. It's not, it's not a Bond film, as we know. No, it's, no. it's not big set pieces. It, you know, it, it no. very much is, as you say, Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, but 
more modern. Yeah. 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 And yeah, it kind absolutely. of all takes place in fundamentally a single location. Now, the, mm-hmm. there are cutouts and flashbacks to other locations and so on, and that's how they're worked into the movie, but it's primarily happening in one place, and you're wondering what is happening in the beginning, and you're wondering why it's happening in the beginning, and you're wondering who these people are who are sitting at the table, and what is their relationship to each other, and that unfolds, and it unfolds, as the director said in our conversation with him, that hey, it's, a, it, it's about a love story, but it's not... a a fail it's a failed love story and he said that and so Mm -hmm. now you're seeing these pieces coming out in the conversation but you know that both of these characters in the beginning who are sitting at a table that's chris pine who's playing henry pallum and uh tandaway newton who is playing celia harrison Mm -hmm. we know they're both either ex-cia or current cia people Hmm. okay now what? Now what's the relationship, and what are they talking about? <laughs> well, and you, you mentioned the table, all right? Yeah. So in, in different places, and then in our conversation with, with the author, um, Olin Steinhauer, he was talking about how there was a, a movie he saw that was based on a poem called The Song of Lunch. Yes. And that's a movie with Alan Rickman and Emma Thompson. And it's only 50 minutes long. You can see that on Amazon Prime. And it is mainly two people at a restaurant mm-hmm. and, and the conversation there. And Olin was like, how do we make a spy movie out of two people at a restaurant? Now, there are, it's not just two people at a restaurant. There's flashbacks to other things that are happening, things happening around them. But it's, it, it's really an intriguing way to, to film this thing because the conversation in the restaurant ends up being really the focal point of it all. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah it, it's compelling. When we first see that conversation, it's all very matter-of-fact and all very noisy-noisy, but as, as, as it continues throughout the film, the, the shift in tone changes through the maybe alcohol, the tongues get a bit looser, and uh-huh. we see a completely different sort of conversation between the two protagonists. Yes. If you do know the song of lunch, one of the characters gets really trashed. That doesn't happen in this one. Yeah. Now that's right. about a 50 minute movie, right? That's available yes. also on prime. So uh, you have the, the, the two main characters are Henry Pelham and Celia, but there's the, let's talk a little bit about the cast of this thing. Yeah. Because they have this conversation that they have at the table and recalling things as, as they're going through it. But then this cast is just amazing. You have Lawrence Fishburne, who, I mean, he, he's obviously he's going to play a boss because he does that really, really well. We've seen, yeah. him, we've seen him do that in, you know, Mission Impossible movies. We've seen him do it in, you know, a whole bunch of different things. He fills he's, the room. Yeah, he fills the room. Mm-hmm. He's so commanding. Mm-hmm. And what I liked about his character in here was that, he was the take charge kind of guy, but he was also a spy. Yep. We can't let other people know what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was really intriguing, but that actually gets them in trouble a little bit because they try to keep it so close to the vest with what, what, what happens mm-hmm. as the plot of the story without giving it away. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So all of the characters are terrific. And, of course, we have Jonathan Price 
in the movie playing Bill, Bill Compton. And Mm -hmm. he is just awesome. His facial expressions and the delivery of his lines is just terrific. And I mean, you just, you, you know, this character just from the first time you see him, you kind of know all about him just Mm -hmm. by his terrific acting. I think just great. No, and he's good. Everything I've ever seen him in. Yeah. The guy's just really, I mean, those, those four names are just, just really top. And then you get the sporting cast. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So you've got, you know, the guy who plays Carl Stein, which is a character in the thing is Corey Johnson. We just saw him in the Ipcris Files TV series. Yes. And yeah. plays a different character here, but plays it, plays it very well. And then, you know, the the rest of the supporting cast is, is very good as well. I mean, yep. you've got yep. David Dawson playing this character, Owen Lasseter, who's, not a very big role, but yep. plays actually an important role in the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, quite an impactful role. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I- anything else about the cast that you guys want to hit? Uh, I think we uh, need to talk about the two leads because I think that the chemistry between Chris Pine and Thwandy Newton is extraordinary. It's, I'll, I, I, I'll be honest, I've been watching. Uh, three days of Condor recently, uh-huh. and the at the same sort of time actually, <laughs> uh, hadn't seen it before, and I thought the relationship in that film to the relationship in this film completely. I know it's an old film from 1975, mm-hmm. but I didn't believe that relationship. I believed this one. Yes, completely. Well, but that but that relationship that was Robert Redford and and Faye Dunaway. Yes, that, yep. that was a forced relationship. It was, it, it, yeah. it was very odd. Yeah. I mean, but that, that <laughs> I, I didn't. That for me, that didn't. Um, I, I liked the film, but I didn't like that part. Okay. Well, see, I film. actually thought that worked because they were thrown together in a weird way. Where it was weird. here, <laughs> these are two work colleagues that yeah. kind of fall in love. It had a very intense relationship, yeah. the, the, you know, and you believed every step. Everything that was said, you believed it, and yeah. the, the emotion um, from them, it, it was it was just really compelling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you're listening me. to them talk, and you're trying to understand what, what each of them is saying, and you're trying to figure out <laughs> what they're saying and why they're saying it. Not that it's complicated with the words. It's just that now you're, you're intrigued so much that you're just looking at them and listening to them and watching their faces as though mm. you're kind of overhearing a conversation and yeah. you want to know what's going on. And mm-hmm. that's how this is. We're kind of like there listening mm. and it's in, and it feels natural. Yeah. It feels yeah. natural. And it's compelling. It's just compelling. Yeah, um, and one of, When you watch this movie, you've got to really pay attention to what they say mm-hmm. at that dinner, at mm-hmm. the dinner table. At you, the do. Restaurant. you have to pay attention to the entire movie. I mean, there, there's no, there's no slacking off watching the movie because you're not waiting for a stunt to happen. You're not waiting for a, an explosion. Mm-hmm. You're, you have to listen to what everyone is saying because there's complex relationships going on throughout the movie, but understandable relationships and meaningful relationships that underlie everything that's happening in the movie without saying yeah. what's happening. And again, it's a beautiful setting in the beginning in this restaurant. It's in Carmel by the Sea in California beautiful town it's the the restaurant is overlooking an ocean and the pacific ocean and it's it's in the beginning a beautiful setting 
And then you, you watch as things unfold. And it's really, it grabs you and you just, you want to know what's going to happen now. You almost want to fast forward. You know, it's like, ah, I want to know what's <laughs> happening. Yeah, but if you fast forward, you're going to miss. You're going to miss everything and not understand a damn thing. But <laughs> you, you were talking about facial expressions. One of the things I really liked about it is when you first watch the film and you see events unfold, and you see everyone sort of looking at everybody else, and they have these expressions on the face, and you think it's for that one thing. But as events unfold, and we see that because it's, it's it's a film that loves shifting timelines, doesn't it? And we, we you know oh, go yes. backwards and forwards. Constant. And when we see the same scene again, the reactions, the facial expressions mean something totally different to what you first yeah. thought. Yeah. Which perspective are you watching? Absolutely something? loved that about it. Yeah, yeah the fl- the concept of the flashbacks is. I mean, we've seen flashbacks in a million movies, mm-hmm. but th- this is. Rapid fire <laughs> flashbacks <laughs> that boom, it shoots out to a flashback and bam, it's back to the table. And then, and so you're wondering whose perspective is this of the flashback and what is happening in the flashback and what does that have to do with what they're talking about at the table? And all of these pieces start coming together. And when you start getting that, it's like a puzzle when you start mm-hmm. getting the pieces together. And and, yep. and and you start thinking, oh, I, 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 I'm getting this. Yeah. It's yeah. damn well, good. Damn yeah. good. It is, yeah. It's, yeah. Well, and in, in the novel, he wrote it where it's here's Henry's perspective mm-hmm. and then here's Celia's perspective. And mm-hmm. the chapters were la- labeled that way. Yeah, right, right, and right. So, so these yeah. flashbacks, they occur, and some of them you don't know which perspective you're watching. Yeah. And you've got to put it together, which is really, really cool for the for the audience member. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, there were there were actually a couple other actors I wanted to uh, to call out here too because they had very important roles. But here in the U.S., we uh, uh, you know we don't see them as much. We had uh, Nasser Mamarzi who played Muhammad, and then you had Orly Shuka who played Ilyas, mm-hmm. and. Those guys had very important roles. Yeah, yeah. Not, yeah. not huge roles, but very important to the plot of this story. Mm-hmm. And especially when you think about the perspectives. And again, that's going to make sense when you watch it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I, really, I really enjoyed their work on this too. Yeah, there's some terrific dialogue. We have a unique thing here with the, the author of the novel also being the screenwriter. And so in our conversation with him, we talked about that a little bit. You'll have to listen to that one for that. But it's an interesting perspective because he brings a different element to the screenwriting that you would not normally have because this is the author of the of the novel. So it's happened before with a few authors, but I don't. it's not very common that an author of a novel will be the screenwriter for the movie version of the novel. Mm-hmm. So that part was interesting, and I think it plays an interesting role here because he did a phenomenal job on this. And this was, I believe he said, his first complete screenwriting that he's done. And mm-hmm. it, I mean, he just did a terrific job. And the director mm-hmm. uh, also loved what he did with the, with the screenplay. And, yeah. and that was, he, he said it kind of made it easier for him as a director because he narrowed down 
the book to the screenplay, which is a very difficult thing to do. And that's what they were talking about too, the challenge of bringing down a novel to a screenplay and cutting out. And that's what Olin Steinhauer was talking about was that how difficult that is because you've written all these words <laughs> in the book mm-hmm. and now you've got to you know, scrunch it down to the screenplay. And, and so how that all unfolds is just terrific. And the director loved the screenplay in fact, he said that uh, Chris Pine commented that it was one of the best three screenplays he's ever read. So mm-hmm. that's that's pretty damn good. Yeah. See, and what I what I liked about the the novel and the author of the novel writing the screenplay. So when you write the novel, you've got to use more words, more descriptive words that you can visually show mm-hmm. in in a movie. But I felt like we still got some of that with the dialogue. To me, it felt like I was watching a novel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. As and we've said, it's not an action movie. But if you think about the spy who came in from the cold, yeah. Tinker Taylor, yeah. um, mm-hmm. from Russia with Love, the early Bond stuff were all based on the novel. Yeah. Where they got in trouble was when they didn't have any novels to work with anymore. <laughs> and then you think about, you know, in my opinion, Daniel Craig's best was Casino Royale, which was based on the book. Yeah. yeah. And the other so, thing that you're saying, Tom, too, and I, I agree, I think that not only the dialogue brings out a lot of what happens in the book, but the facial expressions and that visual element, the old saying that a picture's worth a thousand words, those are the thousand words you could skip when, <laughs> when you're writing the screenplay, right? Because now you're looking at the visual the, uh, the the facial expressions, the, the responses that they have, the bodily action, the surroundings, and so on. And that takes a lot of the words away and just mm-hmm. shows you. All right, let's shift gears now and talk about the production quality itself of, you know, how it was shot. How, you know, we've talked about the flashbacks part, but mm-hmm. um, let's talk about the you know lighting, sound, that kind of stuff. What, what, you, what you guys thought there? Um, I picked up on the use of shadow, um, which I think highlighted the mystery, the intrigue of of the story. Particularly towards the end, um, if, I'm, if I'm okay to mention it, there's, there's a bedroom scene and um, Chris Pine moves out from the light into the shadow to leave mm-hmm. for the room. Mm-hmm. And then also, um, that's... Is it Swats? I never heard to say this. Swandy? Is it Swandy? Oh, Sandy Way. Sandy Way Newton. Um, she follows him, and part of her face is is part shadow, but her eyes are in light. Mm-hmm. And I felt that that was a pur- a purposely done. Um, yes. you know, in the, in terms of the of the story. Yes. Um, things are unfolding and coming into the light. Yes. Um. Yeah, I re- really did think that the the use of of a shadow and um, and the the use of the lighting reflected what was going on in the story. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. So I don't want to give it away. Good. I want you to listen to our interview with the director and the way he talked about the lighting in the restaurant. Yes. And if you listen to the interview before you see the movie. You will absolutely jump all over what he says about that. Yeah. If you watch that first time, the first time you watch it, you might not catch what they did with the lighting. Mm-hmm. But it was really, really cool. So, Vicky, you weren't on that call today. When you listen to that, you're going to go, oh. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. We talked a little bit about that with them, too. And it's 
I mean, this this goes into every movie, right? You, you, the lighting, the camera angles, the mm-hmm. color palette of everything that's going on, the sound effects, and so on. Mm-hmm. And all of this is done tremendously well in this mm-hmm. movie. Just great stuff. One thing I picked upon in the restaurant was when you first see the, the couple at the table, the camera is, is, is far farther away, but as we get into the intensity of the conversation and as it progresses, you're almost up the nose. It's like, yes. you know, it, yes. it's so close. Um, we're just, it, it's drawing the viewer in, um, you know, yeah. Just, it, just subtle things like that make a massive difference. Yeah, the way, they, the way they filmed that restaurant scene to me was just phenomenal. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. The yes. whole the whole restaurant scene is great. Uh, you'll you'll notice uh, the, the scene of the restaurant. It makes sense. It looks real. It looks it looks like yeah okay. I, I believe that's that's a, a restaurant look overlooking the ocean and the sun is setting and there's all kinds of beautiful things going on out there and the restaurant is. Uh, um, You'll notice the name of the restaurant, Vin, Vin De Vee, and they show that on the wall a little bit as, uh, as he's coming in. And when he comes in, I we didn't talk to um, the director and the screenwriter. We didn't talk to Giannis Nolan about it. Yeah. About it. Uh, but we both Tom and I noticed, and you probably did, Vicky, too, when he comes up to the bar, when he comes in, he asks for a particular kind of drink. And we yes, thought, <laughs> I have that written down here. Yeah. And <laughs> we all thought, okay. Went, I actually went when he said it. <laughs> I know, I know. That, that was a that was a that was a great scene because mm. you know we're all thinking that we're not going to say what the drink is because you're gonna you're gonna see it. We're all thinking that, but then of course that's uh, not available, mm. and the response of the bartender and the the clinking of the glass onto the marble bar. I thought really, I mean that that was a great sound, and yes. and kind of st- stood for a lot of stuff that was yeah. going to be happening. You know that clink of the glass on there. So, yeah. uh, well, and to me it was intriguing that in the novel, which came out first, the base of the drink that he ordered was different. Yes, yes, yes. And then when they made it into a movie, they changed it to what they did, and I think really it was more of a callback than anything. Yeah, um, so that part was great. Um, but you're right, the lighting and the sets, uh, really, the set, they, did, they did some on-location shooting, mm-hmm. but a lot of it was the restaurant. And, of yeah. course, the other stuff, they the, the flashbacks and so on, didn't necessarily have to be on location anywhere. It could have been studio stuff. You know, they talk about that in our interview with them. You can take a listen to that. But... All of that fit together so well and, and that orchestrated so well that you're watching this thing and you never really feel that you, you're you're missing these elements fitting together, but you are in your mind going, what the hell is going on here? Because they are not going to let you figure it out. <laughs> it's It's... It's good. <laughs> yeah. Now, now, Vicky, I've got a question for you as as a Brit. Is the pub scene, and then there's a scene where Jonathan Price's character Bill is outside on a, talking on his phone, and it's raining, and he's standing by a uh, what isn't really a printing company, but um, it didn't really matter. Just 
the, the look of it with the, like a walkway behind him. Did that feel like London to you? Um, yeah, I suppose it does. But it does. It, um, he, he hates London. I believe he, he doesn't like London. If that's, if I'm correct, I heard that correctly. Yeah. Bill wasn't. He, yeah. He's he not keen on London. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I think so. I mean, you don't see, you don't see too much of, <laughs> you know, they don't make a thing of it too much. Do they? It's, it's again, close quarters inside the pub. Um, mm. And then you have that bit, little bit outside. So um, I did not believe that it wasn't. Okay. Well, it was. Didn't it was. <laughs> it was done in London. So. Okay, well, that's good. Then. That part. I didn't believe yeah. it wasn't. Yeah. 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 <laughs> didn't, so didn't look he, like said, he said that was one of the few things they did that was actually not just on the set. Mm-hmm. So, mm. so. Okay. Uh, yeah. And he talk. He talks about that pub setup in the in the thing, but I just that that scene. And when they cut to that shot of him standing underneath the walkway there, I'm like, mm-hmm. wow, that really, that really is a great establishing shot. And I didn't know if that corner was like a famous, you know, the, the intersection there with the walkway and that place on Cary Street was a famous London thing or not, you know, not living there. I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Not, not totally sure because of not actually coming from London, but right. <laughs> somebody can correct us no doubt. But yeah, yeah. Uh, even the camera angles there of that scene and you're talking about when he's on the phone and when he's in the pub, I mean, you almost, you know, you really kind of feel like you're there overhearing them, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. doesn't happen all the time in movies. You're all, you know, it doesn't happen. There's sometimes that gap, but here you're, you're kind of thinking like you're in the pub and you're kind of listening and you're like, Oh, <laughs> what's, what's he talking about there? Well, yeah. and this, I was going to say, it's like you're sitting at the table with them. Yeah. You know, in the conversation. Not actually speaking, but you're you're there in the conversation. Yeah. I mean, I felt like I was listening and I wasn't supposed to be. (laughs) And the the thing for me was, tell me, when you saw that, if you watched that with your eyes closed, give me another actor who would have been Bill in that scene. Yeah, he was terrific. I mean, that was just Jonathan Jonathan Price. Yeah. Mm. So... Big fan there. Okay, yeah, what, what, I, I pers- sorry, I personally think he's a very underrated actor. Yeah, for the many things that he's done over the years. <laughs> well, the first time I remember him was in the David Mamet movie, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. And I oh yeah, a, I think he was in Evita. I um, love that film. Yeah, so um, <laughs> I yeah. love that film. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and they they were happy. They were thrilled to have Jonathan Price uh, yeah. in, in the in the movie. Yeah. And they said that that hey this this is perfect a perfect role for him and he he does he does a terrific job he's not in it a lot he, but it, no. he's in it enough and yeah. yes and when he is he he owns the scene he is like yeah oh. yeah that's true yeah well and that's yeah. that's kind of interesting because there is a there is a scene where he's in it and Lawrence Fishburne's in it and it's like. Yeah. Which one do you look at? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And two different kinds of characters, obviously, yeah. uh, that they're playing, and and so they could both command. I think at the yeah. same time that kind of attention, where you're, oh, yeah. man, because they yeah. each have mm-hmm. something very important yeah. to contribute to the story. Yeah. And what did you guys think of the sound in it, both in the score and the way they used sound? I like the subtle sounds. I like the table sounds. I like the background sounds. Uh, 
the bathroom scene, there's a couple of scenes from the bathroom. All of those fit together well in terms of creating this picture and this image and scenario. Uh, like I said, the glass clinking on the marble yeah, bar. It's, <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's very minimal in, in terms of it, it's more a sound of, of objects, isn't it? More so yeah, than background score, you know. There's yeah, a little yeah. underlying score to help create yeah. the attention, though. Music, but it's, music, but it's yeah. not like a big grand sort of, you know, soundtrack. No, you're not you walking know. away humming any songs. No. <laughs> no. Dan, you're, t- you're talking about the glass on the marble. Yeah. When the two of them are at, at, at the dinner and they kind of clink glasses, toasting each mm-hmm. other, you know, hey, good to see you again kind of a thing. The sound there, mm-hmm. but then it also, that scene, the the start of the, with the, with the clinking of the glasses like that and the conversation they have there starts out almost exactly like the song of lunch okay. and but within three seconds deviates quickly yeah. but the way they click and there's the kind of lame toast that happens <laughs> there you know mm-hmm. that there was i thought that was that was just because i watched i watched the song of lunch after i watched this and i'm like wow yeah. <laughs> that was pretty that was pretty cool because he said it was inspiration he didn't steal it it was like inspiration and then he took it a different direction which was which was very cool yeah yeah. Okay. So we've we've talked about the lighting. We've talked about the sound. Talked about the acting. Can um, I have? Um, can I mention Chris? Um, Chris Pine's look because it mm-hmm. changes. Yes. Mm-hmm. We see the character at three different points within the, the a, a timeline. What are your thoughts on how he looked? Did was it believable that he'd he'd, he'd aged? Well, of course, yeah. But in terms of how they made him up to yes. look at that point, did we did we think that was believable, fairly believable? I actually thought, how did they do that? Because <laughs> when, when when they did the flashbacks when he was much younger, he looked much younger. And I was thinking, did they do that with computer graphic interface stuff? Or well, the hair was or? done differently. Yeah. There was no gray in the hair. He, he when it, I thought it was great. I thought those those elements worked extremely well. And I never for a second thought, well, that's ridiculous. I mean, he looks the same. No, I thought they did. Yeah, see, I thought, I thought the, ha- the younger hair was a little overdone. Um, but I think they really were trying to say, okay, this is this time period versus yes. what he looks like. At the restaurant when he's what is this eight nine years old, older? Than yeah, the other and time. then there was a then there was another one in yeah. between, wasn't there, where he got right. much shorter hair? Right, right. Sort of, yeah. um, yeah. Okay, it was just a, just. So what, what 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 would you think there? Like you asked us, you didn't tell us. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I I'm with you. I I felt that the younger look was probably a little bit too much, a little bit too done. But I don't think it it was anything too distracting from what was happening on screen because it's just so well acted. I think part of that though was they had to be very distinct with the three different. Yes, books. they had to. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they had to, to, but he's also a CIA operative. And so we don't know what kind of cover he was under at that particular time when he was younger. Maybe he had to have longer hair. Maybe. Had, so I, I, I give him a carte blanche on that. I was like, eh, that's fine. I, I don't have a problem. <laughs> yeah, see now, how about with Tandaway? Because for me, she look, you know, she, she she can look very, very. I was surprised how old they could make her look. Hmm. Yeah, 
that yeah, she, she looked, looked she looked old in the in the modern section when they're in the restaurant she looks much mm-hmm. older than she did in the flashbacks and so on and so that was that was well done as well i thought hey that's pretty good how they did that yeah now one thing i think we should warn the viewers of is there is some sex and nudity in here so if you know <laughs> depending on you know th- th- these things don't get the ratings as much on you don't notice but you those can't see much. us for two more days sorry <laughs> yeah. yeah but yeah but so there is some sex and nudity in this that you know part of this is a love story so yeah. there's some of that and i know lately in movies you don't get that much of that but it's here in this one yeah so it's kind of a, a heads up on that but it fits in to the mm-hmm. movie it doesn't stand out as oh they're throwing this in to have it it fits in naturally with the movie, I think. And oh, it, absolutely. It, it fits in the plot yeah. perfectly. Yeah, so you, yeah. You, you don't ever think, well, that was superfluous or mm-hmm. whatever. No. Yeah. yeah. Now, Dan, you, you probably caught this, Vicky. I don't know if you did. Yeah. But did you catch what Henry's code name was? Yes, yes. And really, Where it's have a, we seen it or heard it before? It's a callback to another movie that we saw in that we that came out in the 60s. His code name was Piccolo in this film. Now that was the, that was the code name of who? That was the code name in the Harry Palmer movie Billion Dollar Brain of Leo, the main character played by Carl Malden. He was great in that. Carl Malden was great. So so we got Piccolo in this and of course the code name of another guy in in all the old knives is Treble. You have in Billion Dollar Brain, a lot of code names, but they're all musical. And here we see the same, same kind of thing. So I think that was a call back to the Harry Palmer film, Billion Dollar Brain. That was yeah, cool. I forgot, forgot to ask those guys uh, earlier today. When yeah, we talked, yeah. On yeah, the, the interview we did. Yeah, they would have been shocked if we said that. So uh, let's kind of go around and uh, overall thoughts, yay, nay. People should watch it. People should say no. If you can see it in the theater, should you do that? Because it's going to be the limited theater release. What are your thoughts? Vicky, why don't we start with you? I think watch it. Concentrate. Because if you lose concentration, you will just lose what's going on. You need to focus on the plot. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, I'm going to be watching this again when it's released on uh, on the 8th with mm-hmm. my husband who is one for not listening to conversations he likes action <laughs> but he's watching this i've told him he needs to concentrate so i'll get his thoughts <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because um it, i've just said to me it's so well acted it's mm-hmm. just well worth just seeing these you know well everyone the whole cast mm-hmm. in action yeah. and, well and i think um, the writing helps that too because it's it's yeah. acted but it's it's written well to hold your hold you yeah and and if you like Tinker Tailor Soldiers by that type of espionage, uh, mm-hmm. then he, this is this is the film for you to, to watch. Yeah, when we, had a, we, when we had a conversation with Andrew Bustamante, who was a CIA, a real CIA covert operator. We have an episode on that, and he talks about real life stuff and how different things are from movies to real life spying, and this is more of the real-life spying stuff. Mm. So this is an absolute must-watch if you like spy movies. And if you like thrillers, (laughs) you got to watch this. And the acting is superb. The sets are terrific. Uh, Everything about the movie is well done. 
So, yes, watch the movie. Whether you want to go to a theater and watch it, there's going to be limited theater release on April 8th, but it will be on Amazon Prime Video, and Mm -hmm. it's terrific. We were honored and Mm -hmm. thrilled to be able to preview the movie before it came out, and so that's why we can do this episode ahead of time. And to be able to talk to the director and the screenwriter was terrific. So absolutely see this movie. There's no question about it. It's a must-see. Yes, you know, I've seen it three times. And each time, you know, I watched it again last night, and each time I watched it, I picked up more stuff. Yeah, and that's even knowing the ending. It was like, oh, that's how they got there. I missed that the first time through. So I really liked it. And unlike Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, which... To me, I don't honestly know that I've ever gotten through without falling asleep. This thing captured me, <laughs> right? Um, you know, Spy Who Came In From The Cold, love that one. That captured me. This one captured me. Yeah. And I think it got me from the beginning with the way they did the opening scene. Everyone says you're on the edge of your seat or this or that movie and that kind of thing. You kind of are on the edge of your seat with this movie and wondering... Yeah. What's going to happen in the next five seconds? You don't know what's going to happen the entire way. It's, Without it's, having to wonder, is is the thing that's going to happen, is this person's going to jump from building A to building B, and are they going to make it? Yeah, no, this is more that. plot story, which yeah. is very cool. Yeah, this I've is- got to be honest. The last time I watched a movie that, was, that felt like this for me in Edge of Seat and just how things evolve and, and, and the reaction to it all is, again, another old, oldish film, No Way Out, Kevin mm-hmm. Costner, 1987. Yeah. Yeah. And the way that plays wow. out, for me, similar, not, mm-hmm. not in story, right. but mm-hmm. edge of your seat, twists and turns, it, it, yeah, just, yeah. just fab. Go watch it. Go watch it. <laughs> so it sounds to me like the spy movie Navigator's comment on this is go watch this movie. Yeah, I think you get uh, six thumbs up here. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Great job by the entire crew and cast. Yep. And a thrill to watch, literally. So go see <laughs> or watch it on Amazon Prime. All the and old if you like it. Take a listen to our discussion with the director and the writer. We don't go into the plot with them. We talk all about the making of the movie. Yeah, that was terrific. And when you watch the movie, then go look up this quote. All the old knives that have rusted in my back, I drive in yours. It's from Favorites. <laughs> Plato. <laughs> go see the movie first. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> That's where we're going to leave you. This has been Dan Silvestri. Tom Pizzotto. And Vicky Hodges. Of SpyMovieNavigator.com. Please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, too. We appreciate you listening. Thanks. <laughs>